Welcome, friends. On behalf of the Presbytery of San Fernando, I am delighted to have you as part of our regular conversations. Our Presbytery is a community of churches and ministries that is seeking to be part of Christ's mission with faithfulness, joy, humility, and courage in the northwest part of the Los Angeles area and beyond. I hope that you enjoy this dialogue. Please feel free to learn more about us by visiting our website at sfpressmeeting.org. Thank you so much for listening. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the PSF Strategy Virtual Meetup. My name is Nick Warnes, and today is Monday, April 26th. And today, we get to talk with the one and only Reverend Juan Sarmiento, our executive presbyter, about a really important subject, and that is the subject of the future of our presbytery. Never have times been more adaptive, never have decisions maybe weighed more than they do right now as we move through and out of COVID. And to get to hear a bit from Juan about the future of our presbytery is something I think that we're all really looking forward to. So Juan, welcome to the PSF Strategy Virtual Meetup. A lot of times you're interviewing here, you're going to be interviewed today. Am I right with that? That's right, Nick. It is, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how we do it. We're a team and we get to talk and hear from one another and to uh, just uh, sit in different uh, areas and roles in different moments. And that's what, what Presbytery is all about. Right, yeah, well said, very well said. So first of all, maybe for those that don't know you yet, can you just give us a little bit on what brings you to this role as the vocation of the executive presbyter of the San Fernando Presbytery? Um, and uh, like, I know you've been a part of this presbytery for a long time, right? And um, what, what ended up compelling you to want to become the executive presbyter for us? Well, uh, it's, uh, it's, it, 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 this is an exciting place to be. And I, I like excitement. I don't think, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up very active in church. And um, what drew me to church was that, uh, you know, uh, it was an exciting place to be. I mean, people were talking about um, relating to other uh, to other uh, areas of uh, you know of the world and, and populations communities that normally we didn't get to interact with, and um, and, and a vibrant faith um, and so forth and so on. And I see that reflected in the presbytery. So after close to ten years of international work, um, somebody suggested that I should consider, it and I said, well. It, I think I could do this. Uh, it is um, it is a good place to be, and I, and I felt compelled to um, to enter the discernment process. And here I am after nine months. And it's good to be nine here. Nine months, amazing. Having a lot of fun. Amazing. Well, we couldn't be more thrilled as a presbytery to have you guiding us, to have you leading us, and just personally for me, thank you uh, for all the ways that you're uh, yeah you're moving our presbytery forward, especially in these unprecedented times. So thank you for that. Okay. Okay. So, Juan, would you agree that the church is alive? I agree that the church is not only alive but well, and uh, that the church is um, very much um, going forward in mission. I, I think I see that um, 
in so many ways. And so mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that Christ is risen and that we are part of that new life that God is bringing about through the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, a good reminder during Eastertide here to, to, to remind people of that. Uh, also, did you know that everything that's alive, everything that's alive has at least one thing in common? Did you know that? Everything that's alive has one thing in common. I, I, I would. Do you, know what that, do you know what that one thing might be? I think, well, I think that that one thing, I mean, without sounded too pessimistic, but I think everything that's alive, except for one uh, huge uh, difference maker in the whole uh, thing, is, is that everything that is alive will eventually die. I mean, there is a process <laughs> of fuel, right? <laughs> Well, maybe there, maybe there are two things that everything that's alive has in common. So certainly what you said, everything that's alive will one day pass away. But guess what? Everything that's alive also had a birth. It was born. I love that. And, and, and our presbytery is no different than that. You know, so often when I speak at churches, I always ask the church, hey, what, can you tell me the story of the beginning of your church? And you'd be surprised at the ratio of people that don't know the understanding, don't have the understanding yet of how their church was started. But the interesting thing about our presbytery is that our presbytery had a birth moment as well. We were born. And from your perspective, uh, I would love to hear like how our presbytery is born um, before we get into kind of moving through the current state of our presbytery and where we're going. So yeah. can you tell us a little bit about how our presbytery was born? Sure. Our presbytery was born back in 1968, <clears throat> 68, 69. Our first meeting was in 1969 in what was uh, the first Presbyterian Church of um, North Hollywood. Are we on there or? Okay, yes, so I think we are. And first Presbyterian Church in North Hollywood and now is Valley Village, Faith Valley Village. And uh, uh, the Presbyteries of the area, uh, I mean, the Los Angeles Presbytery have realized that we had uh, um, just expanded tremendously from six uh, churches uh, back in 1874 to... Uh, somewhere around 400 churches. Um, oh my goodness, that's amazing. We became the largest uh, uh, a presbytery by territory of the Presbyterian church. And so uh, they realized, okay, there's a lot going on in society back in 68, 69, you know, the height of the civil rights movement um, and, and, and so many things going on. And they said, you know, we uh, as Presbyterians, we want to get come closer together. Um, uh, and, and, and possibly serve better by having the ability of, of coming into uh, five different presbyteries instead of one. So there was actually a multiplication there happening. And, uh, and so that's the birth of a, a San Fernando Presbytery. Uh, that, the, the picture that you, that you saw is, is out, out of the beginnings of first um, North Hollywood. <clears throat> in 1940. And something I loved, loved of the picture is that it was under a tree, right? Uh, like a lot of churches in, in, in Africa, where the bulk of the growth is happening. It's not happening uh, in kind of, so to speak, uh, church buildings, but it is happening out there where people, two or three gather in Christ's name, he's there. And so that's how uh, got, things got started. Uh, back, back in 1940, um, you know, there were there were movies like um, 
I think uh, you know the big movie back then, um, Fantasia was was coming out. So there was a time of of great exploration and uh, excitement about the future. But there was a lot of pathos, uh, a lot of pain. Um, so '68 certainly big big times in terms of our society uh, of our society intentions and this uh, and the pursuit of justice also as well. Fascinating. So to take us now, if you might, from 1968 to um, today, uh, the San Fernando Presbytery, um, from, from what you've heard, from what you've read, from what you've seen, um, what have you seen unfold over that time? What's that been? 53, 52, 53 years? Yeah. Um, what, are, what are some highlights that you might want to name uh, in this webinar? Well, the San Fernando Presbytery has been a very steady place um, for, for the most part. I mean, you have congregations, most, the bulk of the Presbytery congregations, the 25 congregations, the vast majority existed prior to we becoming a Presbytery. Uh, so they were transferred from the Los Angeles Presbytery to this Presbytery. Uh, and the, but the last decade, uh, there has been a lot of a fluidity, um, a lot of changes happening. Uh, we have uh, dismissed some congregations uh, to uh, two fellow um, reform bodies, and uh, one of them being an Armenian reform denomination. Um, and also, we have um, we have closed uh, something like three congregations, and we have seen the development of of uh, of. Uh, wonderful group of new worshiping communities that you, Nick, has been part of uh, helping us get started. So we have partnered uh, with groups um, in, in the Presbytery Bounds and also some outside the Presbytery Bounds, some seeking to belong to the PCUSA, some not necessarily, but we have had the pleasure of partnering in that in the last few years. So there has been a lot going on uh, in the last decade. And, uh, and what you see now is probably is a list of different communities uh, within our uh, our region that are uh, being touched uh, with the good news of God's kingdom um, through both um, uh, charter congregations, established congregations, and also some some new congregations that are coming up uh, with with the help of wonderful leaders. So ten years ago, uh, I think you moved to Louisville, right, and then you came back nine months ago yeah Is that right yes absolutely and so over the course of those 10 years um what like what did you imagine you were coming back to um how did you uh find refreshment and seeing that oh yeah this is still the same and i really admire this um and uh, what what changed over those 10 years and what caught you by surprise as you came back into the presbytery one well Many of the familiar faces, Nick, you and I knew each other, but not as much, but um, some of the same kind of entrepreneurial spirit, um, innovative spirit, um, the, the, the desire to incubate new things is still here uh, very much. Um, well, of course, all of us are a little older, um, <laughs> but... but um, I, I do think that the Presbytery, I mean, I'm extremely proud of the Presbytery for uh, continuing kind of this, this course in this changing 
uh, seasons, even in the midst of, of uh, uncertain times. And um, just um, uh, that strategic directions is, is one new thing. But uh, I mean, this is, this is a, a very committed bunch of people. You know, we have in the midst of this very uh, challenging year that, you know, kind of to, to be the cap for the decade uh, of changes, um, we, we you know, our, our congregations, established congregations reported about 31 new members, uh, eight baptisms, and one of them an adult baptism. So, I mean, this is difficult. I was talking to some of the leadership saying, you know, Oh my goodness, I think they probably used some, some water gun or something to baptize people, or how did they do it? But uh, we can carry on. And I see that uh, that is very much kind of the ethos, the DNA, the calling of, of, of God on our presbyteries, continuing to innovate, nurture, and incubate new things. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing some uh, Angela Duckworth in your verbs right now. The, the author of that book, Grit, right? Grit. That's right. So she talks about grit. And it does seem like our presbytery is filled with a bunch of gritty people who mm -hmm. are committed, who are passionate, who are persevering, uh, even in the midst of uh, tumultuous transitions in, in the lives of, of many uh, as we go through and out of COVID. That's right. Well, uh, the previous picture, and I selected a few pictures that I've been, you know, using as metaphors, but the previous picture has to do with um, probably something that I see that we could now that is at this juncture, at this kind of, uh, in some ways, uh, I think very much an inflection point to what the Presbytery will be um, with God's help in, in, the, in the future decades. But uh, I, I do see... Um, the, the importance of, of new worshiping communities and established congregations interacting more closely with one another. Presbyterians like structure. So we, we do have our committees and so forth, but something that has made me also very proud of the Presbytery is the capacity to look beyond kind of established structure without diminishing its value and seeing how we can, we can interconnect and inter, interrelate with one another. So uh, new worshiping communities, with uh, established congregations, say, um, you know, um, uh, 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 Latino constituents with uh, 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 people of, of the kind of what has been the mainstream culture in our presbytery. So in some ways, an encounter of the water similar to what, uh, what um, you know, that, that picture portrays of in the, in the Amazon River, the confluence of the um, of two rivers, the Rio Negro, uh, and uh, and, and um, Solimuins River that make uh, the Amazon River uh, kind of the most, um, you know, one, one of the most uh, influential rivers in terms of its, uh, its uh, power. I was wondering what's happening there. So those are, so you have different colors of water coming together in one spot. Is, is that what you're painting here? Exactly, exactly. What, what, what it does is this two rivers very distinct rivers. Of course, they come with different uh, minerals and 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 so and different temperatures too. So they they go together for around five uh, kilometers. Um, and I apologize for that. I'm here in the Presbyterian office, but we uh, and and then they emer eventually uh, come together in in in, in what it what was the Amazon River. So I think. Um, I mean, certainly there are, we come from different places and experiences and, uh, 
and, and sense this, even sense of call. But my, my presbytery is meant to be a place of encounter mm-hmm. where we recognize both the distinctiveness of one, of one another, but also how God's uh, reign and kingdom is much greater than even uh, the, you know, our own um, distinctiveness. And, and now that we lose it, that we bring it uh, to the table, so to speak. I love that. I mean, that should be, if, if there's some hashtags out of this webinar, it needs to be the Presbyterian's a place of encounter. I, mean, I haven't heard you say it that way. I like that. That was a good one. Well, thanks. <laughs> so uh, as with any you know, middle governing body, middle judicatory, like a Presbytery uh, or a synod or in other you know, traditions, they also have uh, similar groupings and networks of churches. Uh, there, are, there are great strengths. And then there's great places uh, to, to see improvement. And, you know, a lot of us, Juan, have been in this presbytery for a long time and maybe um, are, are a bit blinded um, because of the years of time in this. And so you're still coming from a rather objective perspective. perspective. Mm-hmm. So I'm especially interested in your perspective right now on uh, what, uh, what, what you'd like to see our presbytery begin to work on, begin to work through, uh, and uh, challenges you think we need to overcome together. Sure. Well, uh, what I see, and by the way, this is a picture of First Presbyterian uh, North Hollywood uh, after they, um, you know, they started building their, their worshiping facilities, and and probably the tree where they gather was is somewhere around there. They used to gather where they came together, but I I think in some ways it's metaphorical because I think we find ourselves in a time of great, great changes in in our uh, culture and society. Um, In some ways, this this architecture reflects uh, a desire to um, present um, you know, to connect uh, to the Southern California culture, to the mission, you know, uh, culture, um, and, and the Adobe and so forth and so on uh, type of, of structure. But at the same time, carry um, the, the, the uniqueness of, of, of our reform heritage in ways that, uh, that connect to the culture. And I think that's uh, what I think uh, we need to focus on. I mean, we talked about deep roots um, recognize uh, who we are, um, have gratitude, and also being critical of the not so, um, um, uh, you know, exciting or good elements of our heritage, but also, but recognize, okay, uh, we, we're still in a, in a uh, business, so to speak. We still have a call uh, to, to connect um, to the changing nature of our cultures, um, that, that we're experiencing. So, I mean, we leave uh, something that I, I found a couple of things about the LA area, right? Um, Christianity is now represents barely uh, over 50% of, of our population, 51%. The second largest group, uh, according to uh, Cycle LA Almanac, is uh, are the knowns, um, the people that don't identify themselves or don't want to fit into any religious category, uh, 12%. Uh, and then the third place is, is a tie between atheistic or atheists and agnostics, 6% each. So you know what, I mean, um, this is, uh, this is a, a different place that probably we imagine, right? Um, but uh, these things do help 
uh, us understand kind of, you know, the, the communities that we're called to serve. Um, you know, if, if LA was a city of 100 people or a village of 100 people, 34 out of, um, of those uh, 100 will be immigrants uh, from other countries. 19% uh, immigrants from Latin America. So, so uh, we, we live, uh, I think that the, what we have, ahead, the opportunity that we have ahead of us is to um, shape the way we do things as kind of a church that is always being reformed um, uh, in ways that connect and convey um, uh, with, you know, the good news uh, to, with the communities that we serve. Mm -hmm. So, uh, if, if one of our weaknesses has maybe been not matching uh, the context in which we find ourselves now with regard to ethnicity, nationality, uh, religiosity, all those sorts of things, uh, how do you see us beginning to better, I mean, I guess the way I would probably say is like better join the mission of God in our place uh, to, to better uh, represent uh, who we know Christ to be in our, in our neighborhoods around our churches? Well, I mean, one thing is um, certainly listening uh, is a big uh, element of, of what we do. We, um, we need to come closer together. We need to recognize the, 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 um, very much who we are. We go about God's work as a community. So we need to strengthen our bonds of, of uh, I wouldn't say just connectionalism, but co uh, a covenantal sense of we we are we are in this together um, as a presbytery, um, and and another element I see that we need to do I mentioned the bringing of the voices of the new worshiping community leaders, church starters there, uh, amplify um, the voices of people from you know Asian uh, background, uh, Hispanic background. Interestingly, um, looking at the statistics in the last. Uh, eight, eight years that, that I had access to and looking at the uh, people from the Middle Eastern and North African background uh, represent kind of uh, the largest increase. And, 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 you know, according to our state of clerk, so, or, or to our uh, clerk's session. So, you know, there is, uh, God is at work and we need to be sensitive and, and appreciative and recognize how, how those things are happening among us. So I think that's the very important thing. Now, another thing, I mean, when you talk about amplifying the, the, the voices of, of, of people that probably, you know, haven't, haven't had much of a say how we go about our, our work together, um, there is an element of justice and, and that is certainly uh, of uh, something that we need to uh, emphasize. But I think also the element of good missiological practice. I mean, uh, we, we have engaged with people uh, all over the world uh, by not uh, just telling people what to do, but listening and, and actually learning uh, from, from others how, how to go about embodying uh, the message of Christ, the reality of Christ in their own cultures, in different cultures. So I think uh, it takes a lot of that sensitivity these days um, uh, for us to listen um, and, 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 um, and observe as much as we work. And, and that's hard for Presbyterians because Presbyterians are hardworking people. Uh, but um, so sometimes we're like, okay, we're, we're too busy uh, to, to listen. But uh, these are times that take 
um, that require more of that. It seems like uh, a, a lot of our churches, uh, even just as evidenced by the multiplication that happened in 1968 with the different presbyteries, a lot of our churches uh, did well to grow up until 1968. And uh, it seems like a lot of that uh, was uh, heavily influenced by an increased denominationalism. People would identify as Methodist or Lutheran or Catholic or Presbyterian. And with the influx of population that came to Los Angeles, people came from all over. And all of a sudden, when someone moves into Glendale, they recognize that they're Presbyterian. So their first question is, well, where's the Presbyterian church building? Because I want to go there for worship. Uh, with denominationalism on the decline, people identifying less uh, with denominations and churches needing to rely less on that sort of strategy, which was very effective. I want to name that. It was very important for a lot of people in the middle of the 20th century and even beyond. Um, how can churches do better to engage in listening practices and mutuality practices and missiological practices with their neighbors when so many of us are used to just trusting that people are going to want to connect with the church because they're Presbyterian? Do you have any ideas there that might be helpful for us? Well, uh, Nick, I think that's a big, big question. Uh, the role of, of denominational, uh, denominational. Can you just uh, sum it up in like two minutes, maybe for us here? Just, just like <laughs> fifty years of study on this, maybe in two minutes, that'd be great. Let me, you know, uh, the the the, the um, um, yesterday was fascinating. I don't know if you're into the Academy Awards. I, I, you know, I have to confess I haven't watched them all every year, but at last year, uh, but, but this year I thought, okay, it's going to be interesting because how, let me see how they're going about uh, what they do in the midst of so many changes, right? And I thought personally that they did a pretty good job, uh, but um, but it made me uh, think, and I, I, I think there was a picture of Union Station there, but I, I had, um, I, I, it's fascinating because the role of, I uh, see, Presbyterianism grew um, with uh, with a gold rush uh, into the West Coast, um, and um, I don't know. Uh, you can't show the picture. It's all, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I think I probably meant to include it, but don't worry about it. So, so the train um, brought a lot of people of uh, Presbyterian uh, heritage from many different states, right? And so that fed into the growth, and and you have by the time, by the time that you uh, that that the Presbytery is born, I mean six churches, in uh, in eighteen seventy four, uh, probably in a hundred years became close to four hundred churches. So that's phenomenal. That is really very significant growth. Um, what? What happened after 68, I think is, is uh, well, and not only aided by, by the train, right? Um, by the way, that Union Station was built about 1940, around the same time that the first uh, North Hollywood was, uh, was uh, started. But, um, you know, the airplanes. And so people kept coming. And, and I think with the advent of airplanes around the two wars and so forth and so on, uh, Presbyterianism became kind of cool. I mean, I mean, that was a season where um, presidents of the United States that had no church affiliation needed a church affiliation 
in order to um, to run for president, and they were told become a Presbyterian. I mean, in 1962, uh, the uh, former pastor at First Pres uh, at uh, Pasadena Presbyterian Church, Eugene Carson Blake was on the cover of Time magazine. And and, and I know we're, well, uh, probably some of us are not reading Time magazine, but back then that was a big deal, okay? Um, so Presbyterians were the big show in town. Uh, and, um, and, and not anymore. I mean, we go, I've been visiting with uh, uh, people that tell me whether, you know, and I know I have an accent, but people say, well, are you, are you part of a vegetarian church? Um, are you guys related to uh, to the hospitals? I mean, are you part of the hospitals? Um, so, so a lot has changed, right? And we can reminisce of '62 when our top person, uh, you know, became the state of clerk was was on the cover of uh, of, of Time magazine, uh, or just get get on with it and recognize, okay, um, people are not coming anymore necessarily. I mean, the main feeding element uh, to our churches, so to speak, is not the train or even the airplane. Um, and, and we need to recognize, okay, how, how are we going to go about uh, being uh, the church uh, in this day and age? So I think it, that's a crucial question. I think we could take some leads from the Academy Awards, right? By the way, all the, all the awards are dropping um, hugely in terms of ratings, uh, but all of them are trying to do uh, something different. Uh, but I think the key thing I see uh, as the Academy Awards and all these award uh, shows, not that church is a show, so, you know, but how do we connect to people? I think this is, there are, there are times when people are not just watching um, a press uh, 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 TV People want to contribute. People want to co-create. People want to be part of something larger and meaningful. And um, and, and I, I'm going to say I don't think I wish I wish the best to uh, to the uh, the academy. But unless they uh, people sense that they can be part of it and co-creating um, what's happening, I think there's very very little chances that uh, the academy awards uh, would ever. Uh, have have the, the the kind of influence that they had. So I think as a church, I think we need to recognize that we're not we're not uh, to put together an incredible show. Uh, we need to go deeper into who we are as the people of God, um, and and invite people to um, uh, to come alongside as we discover this wonderful thing that is uh, following Jesus in the world today. Yeah, I mean, we have the good news, right? right. That's, that's, we have the good news, and uh, what an adventure to in, invite people into. Uh, and I think we all, you know, lament the fact that the good news so often isn't good news uh, to, to some folks. And, you know, I hope in my life and certainly in, in the, the churches that I'm part of that, that we can uh, really start to hone that skill on how we can join in the good news uh, with our neighbors but it's hard work. Like, I mean, you listening exercises and requires leaving church buildings, engaging with neighbors who are different than ourselves. Uh, it, it takes a whole different skill set than what, what used to be present, which the thing that really brought about this tremendous growth. And I think for a, a lot of our people in our presbytery, 
there doesn't, like you said, Presbyterians are hardworking people and there, there doesn't seem to be uh, what some perceive as enough bandwidth in one's life to go about doing the hard work of engaging with their neighbors. So for those that are in, in that place, how might you encourage them um, in their walks with God in this adventure of what we do call the good news, right? Yes, I think that uh, my encouragement will be for us to recognize that if we're too busy to listen, uh, we, are, we are too busy for God's work. I mean, really, uh, because God's work is about God's work in us and through us and not about we doing God's work ourselves. So, so allow for margin, allow for uh, listening well. Uh, I think that's, that's really important. I think very stru structurally, I would say, reduce the number of meetings. Um, I know that that in times of change, we could say, yes, we could do now. We can, instead of having two meetings a day uh, because of traffic, we can put, we can have eight because of Zoom. Uh, but I think we're missing the point um, of, of, um, of what, uh, what our, life, our life as, as a church is. So my encouragement is to allow, yes, sign up for committees, uh, be selective, uh, be focused, um, and be attentive. Uh, that is really important. Relate. Uh, relate to people that perhaps are different, are not within our, our sort of denominational bubble. Um, and... Um, I would say experiment, uh, fail forward uh, is, is one thing that uh, we have done. And, and we recognize, like in your case, Nick, I mean, starting new uh, uh, worshiping communities is not guaranteed success. Actually, um, it, you know, the rate of, of so to speak, um, failure is high. But, you know, as you started this conversation, one of the... Um, uh, the distinctives of being alive is is certainly you know being born and also and also recognizing that that, that we're not forever. Um, God's kingdom, God's reign is forever, and the church is to express that reality. So encourage us all to 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 continue to experiment is is something that I would uh, I would do and um, probably take some leads from the you know I I'm I'm extremely proud of our presbytery. Um, I mean, during COVID, uh, we've gone to worship, you know, from worshiping in our sanctuaries to worshiping uh, on Zoom uh, to worship in 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 parking lots, uh, and uh, and and I think you know we could we could uh, continue to um, develop that that um, desire to experiment, try new things. I think that's going to be important. Yeah, no, it's been a lot for so many of our leaders to go, you know, essentially overnight from worshiping in a church building to uh, worshiping online to now hybrid worship or whatever people are doing at this point in time. Um, how would you balance for our leaders the, the adaptive nature and the adaptive exercise, the adaptive leadership exercise of having to go through that um, with... Uh, some, sometimes um, maybe we just need to take a breather and rest and make sure we're taking care of ourselves. Uh, this, this seems to be an important one from, I know many of us have read the numbers on what's happening uh, with leaders and churches right now and, and burnout rates at, at higher than ever levels. 
so yeah, how do we handle the, the massive adaptations? Obviously, the need to adapt in light of where we were as a church pre-COVID. Like, we obviously need to make some adaptations to, to better engage with our neighbors, things like that, things we've already been talking about. But then pairing that now also with making sure we stay healthy, that our families stay healthy, uh, in order that we might be able to go about the work. How do you imagine that balance rolling out? I, I think the main, um, the, uh, a big element, I mean, nobody was prepared for this, um, but uh, so, you know, there, there is great pain and suffering and disorientation, confusion and all that. Um, one thing that I will say is that we, uh, looking back, preparing ourselves for a future that is uncertain and in, in, in God's work that is still the same calling of following Jesus and um, um, being, being disciples, inviting others to be disciples and forming others to grow. I think going forward, one thing that we need to learn is the emphasis in investing in developing other leaders. Um, we, uh, I think part of the burnout uh, has to do with our, for, with our sense that, that it all depends on me as an individual. Um, and you know, the, 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 the New Testament, the Bible doesn't use the word leaders as much. Um, and, and leadership uh, is more of um, an organizational reality uh, than, than uh, a person. And so I think not allowing ourselves to see, um, to put ourselves as in the place of, of everything depending on me because I'm a teaching elder or because I'm um, the elder and so forth and so on. And, and I think that humility um, drives us naturally to recognize that we are dependent on God and recognize that we need to, to whatever extent possible, develop others, invest in the lives of others and, and uh, decentralize um, our, our efforts on from ourselves into the hands of, of other people. And, and, and I think that has to do with being Presbyterians. Presbyterians believe in collective um, uh, decision-making uh, in which the, uh, the way doesn't reside in just one person. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. I think we need to, um, to live that out. Certainly, I would say again, you know, it, it is very important that we nurture our lives with God. Uh, I'm excited about our presbytery emphasizing that um, we, uh, we need to become a faith formation community, um, a spiritual formation community. Um, and, uh, and yes, you know, think of, of certainly there are some goals that we have ahead of us, uh, that our strategic, uh, 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 team has laid out for us in terms of an increased number of, 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 of established congregations, charter congregations. We, we, at our peak, we're 31. Uh, that's when we started in 1869. We want to, uh, by the end of the decade, uh, be 32. Um, but recognize that all of this hinges in our well-being, really, because if we're not in good shape, it doesn't, it doesn't matter how many congregations we have really, if we are not true agents of God's um, peace and, uh, and reconciliation. I don't know where the line came from, but it's a famous line. Maybe you'll know. 
And that's the line that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what you're naming. I think Mike Harbert's been such a great addition to our presbytery. And he's really promoted a healthy culture amongst the leaders in the presbytery. And the further that we can bring health to the culture of the presbytery, uh, the, the, the more likely we will be able to achieve these goals that you're setting. I mean, I, we have a presbytery meeting tomorrow. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you the first thing I think of now when I go to a presbytery meeting is uh, even on COVID, I look forward to worshiping together. Well, uh, let me tell you what I wasn't thinking six years ago when I was going to a pres presbytery meeting. Um, so there's just been some, I mean, Bob Logan was huge for us and really pointed us in a better direction. And I know it takes time and energy and uh, emotional space, but I'm really glad we've been doing things like worshiping with one another in such thoughtful ways over the course of our presbytery meetings. Well, I, I'm, I'm grateful we're working on, on making them meaningful, having communion, and not only that, but just uh, uh, recognizing, okay, this is first and foremost uh, a community of people before God um, and, and yielding our lives um, uh, to God, to one another in service to Christ's kingdom. Um, and one, one thing uh, that I love, Nick, that you use uh, when talking about um, um, this, this uh, effort, um, not necessarily presbyteries, but you use the word eco ecosystem. Uh, and I think it's so important. I mean, when you think of ecosystem, you think of life, you think of health, you think of, um, uh, I know Presbyterians are afraid of the word, but you think of multiplication, uh, you know, you, because something that is healthy uh, multiplies, grows and multiplies. But not not as the first goal of things, but as the natural outcome of of the abundant life that we have in Christ, and that's I, I want to see more of that, uh, more of a healthy ecosystem um, uh, for for us as a presbytery. Well, we do look forward to hearing some more thoughts you have on the future of our presbytery, some of your dreams you're having about it. Um, but before we get there, um, we do want to take a moment for Q and A. For any of you with us today, if you do have a question for one, if you might identify your name, where you're from, and uh, the question you have, that would be uh, really helpful. I'll fill while you all are thinking about those. Uh, I will, Juan, uh, talk. I, I think this is just so important. So I don't know if you know this about me, um, but I was uh, pre-med in my undergrad and then ended up with a degree in biology and chemistry for my undergrad. And this, uh, this biological perspective that's coming up right now on not only things that are birthed, like things, things are, bor are born, everything that's ever been born has typically grown and then shrunk and then ceased to exist and died. And then you take millions of those things into an ecosystem. That's what makes up an ecosystem, right? Many things that are going through those four phases of life. And holy cow, you start to implement an ecclesiology, a theology of the church with that sort of perspective. That's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night trying to think about this stuff and how systems that are alive can complement each other. Uh, what's hurting systems that are alive? And I don't know, just totally biasly from my biology and chemistry background, it does seem really pertinent for our presbytery right now to be identifying, you know, where the pollution is maybe, uh, where the oil spills have been, if you will, you know, where, where are their ducks with oil on their wings right now? And how can we step in and help out there? 
and uh, where are things really being generative and multiplying and how can we join those and really scale those up? Well, that's, I'm glad because this is, I mean, uh, there used to be a word and I think uh, you're younger than I am, Nick, but uh, talking about organic uh, growth, I, I think, you know, um, yeah, you could probably push, be pushed out into uh, on some, some uh, extremes, but I, I, I do think that for the most part, the church all over the world is not growing um, because of strategic planning. Um, for the most part, uh, growth all the church is happening because it's the life of, of Christ spilling over uh, into the community and, and it, it becomes compelling and attractive uh, to the extent that people want to be part of it. Um, and culture, right? Yeah. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. This is this, yeah. this stands out to me in this conversation, though. Peter Drucker, that's right. I, I I'm a strong believer in that. So, but culture is much less. Um, um, uh, so how how could you say that you can measure culture necessarily? I mean, um, it is like when you when you talk to a person. Um, you, we, we, in the Western world, we want to categorize people into um, very, very clear, defined personality types. You know, what's your weight? Uh, what's your um, cholesterol level? But um, you know what? Uh, those are quantifiable measures that we certainly need to pay attention to. And, but, but if we reduce the, the, the life of the body of Christ uh, just to those elements, then we're, we're missing a point. I mean, uh, we're missing hugely the relational and, and why not say spiritual reality that of who we are and who ultimately who God is. Yeah, well said, very well said. But I think we have, we have some questions here or some comments. Uh, yeah, the, should we tackle those or... Let's do it. We have about max like 13 minutes. So let's, let's make sure we leave some time for uh, your final comments on the future of the Presbytery. But yeah, why don't you um, talk about some of these? Well, we have, um, we have a comment from Carol about the map not being accurate. Carol, th thank you. And uh, I think we, this is, this is a living <laughs> document. So we certainly, we've done our, our best to update it, uh, but we can certainly uh, use your help. So we welcome your help in comments. The dynamic would be an understatement, I want. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, but thank you for pointing it out. Um, the other one, um, North Hollywood birthed our presbytery. That's awesome, North Hollywood. Well, Reverend uh, Java, I, 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 I you know, probably, I mean, it was a long process of the Presbytery of Los Angeles identifying the need to multiply, but the first meeting was there. Um, the, the meeting where it was finally decided happened in another of our Presbytery, meeting, uh, presbytery churches in, uh, over at Granada Hills. So at Granada Hills, the final vote was taken. Um, and then the, in, in January, um, um, 1969, mm -hmm. um, the first meeting was at uh, First North Hollywood. So, but uh, wonderful to point that out and, and recognizing, hey, this is not, the, the, uh, as Presbyterians, we're seeking the mind of Christ continually together and, um, and we all get to participate in this. 
said, very well said. All right, Juan, let's wrap this up here. Um, final thoughts, your, your dreams uh, for the Presbytery. What do, you, what do you see coming? What do you hope to see come in the coming years? What I'd like to see is that um, we, we seized the learnings of COVID. I think this was, and this is overused, but it was an accelerator in so many ways uh, of, of learning, I think. And, and I'm very proud, again, of our pastors and elders, um, people in the congregations, uh, clerk session. Now, how they... they uh, uh, be able to flex, uh, be flexible, be adaptive. I think that that we can build on that. Um, with that, that also that as we were born in pain in uh, 1968, when there was great pain and changes happening in society. I think these are times that are very generative in terms of the pain that are, the the pathos that we're feeling. Uh, but uh, there's no birth without pain. Um, and, and I think that uh, we recognize the newness of, of what God is doing among us um, is really important. And that we grow into becoming a fuller expression of God's kingdom be, beyond the slogans of the time. I know slogans mobilize people. Um, and there have been quite a few slogans being thrown in our society around. Um, uh, I, I hope that we can move beyond slogans. And, and hashtags, uh, you know, as good as they can be, and really embody uh, the reign of God, the kingdom of God among us. Um, uh, certainly that we uh, keep um, Jesus at the center, um, that, uh, that we be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and why not? That it's 10 years on the road, if, um, you know, that's the, where we, we feel God leading and the challenge that we uh, take on, um, that we that we are 32 congregations uh, in this part of the Los Angeles area. So that's those are my dreams. Uh, I want to see more of that. Uh, I want to see greater participation and greater joy, um, you know, in in what we do and just beyond uh, our heritage of doing the right thing. Um, or, or doing things well, I think we need to focus in doing the right thing and focusing in God's kingdom uh, and God's love for us and for the world. That's my dream. Well, very well said. I feel like I just went to church. I appreciate that. I'm ready for the altar call now. Let's get it going. <laughs> but Juan, we do sincerely. We just appreciate you. Thanks for how you're leading our presbytery. How you're doing so well to join so many decentralized leaders and helping them. Um, to activate God's dream for where we are. So thank you for that. Thanks for coming here. Thanks for moving back here. We're so Nick. grateful to have you. And yeah, look forward to your leadership in the years to come. Well, thank you, Nick. And uh, I want to I say thank you to the people that have so graciously joined us. Um, we are uh, thrilled and we invite you tomorrow. I mean, if you, if you are a presbyter, join us um, for worship. Um, we have some exciting things coming up. Uh, in our presbytery and and also I want to yeah uh, talking about that uh, if we can share a little bit of that um, screen of the coming up uh, events the events that are coming up that, that'll be wonderful um, we can well I can mention probably off the top of my head certainly there is a pre-presbytery meeting tomorrow um, 
and um, and, and that uh, has to do with uh, 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 advancing layers of color. Is that is that what it is tomorrow? Well, and then we have <clears throat> the eleventh uh, of May. We have uh, well, I apologize. I think I, I had that date wrong, but uh, we do have tomorrow a priest presbytery meeting uh, at five p.m. and then and then we have a meeting at six. We have the 11th um, of, of May coming up, uh, a meeting where the strategy team and the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the lead team of the Presbytery, the chairs of all the committees are going to be talking about the goal. And then we have on the 19th, I believe, we have um, uh, a really exciting event coming up with uh, uh, Bob Logan. Uh, talking about emerging with confidence. And so we're going to have a little consultation, um, not only, not exclusively with members of the Presbytery, churches in the Presbytery, but uh, Bob Logan is, is uh, doing an event with the, that will include other churches, uh, and that's going to be in Chatsworth. So that's emerging uh, through COVID too, right? That's right. That's okay. right. So, so good, some good things happening. And um, we're grateful for. Uh, the, the work of, that everybody is doing um, to make, uh, to you know, just emerging from this COVID thing. We, we know the world is going to be very different, is already very different. But uh, if you would like more information about that consultation, please um, visit sfpressby.org slash consultation May 2021. Okay. Well, for those of, the, of you that joined us today, thank you again for joining us. You know your time is valuable. I appreciate you being here. For those of you that are listening to this later, thanks for listening. And yeah, join me and join many others too and praying for Juan as he as he leads this uh, this presbytery forward. So until the next webinar, uh, we'll uh, we'll see you then hopefully. But until then, my name is Nick Warnes. I'm the director of Sickle LA with our presbytery. As we wrap up this time together, I would like to express our gratitude on behalf of the team and the people of the San Fernando Presbytery. My prayer is that it might have been helpful to you. I would like to also invite you to comment, give us some feedback, and perhaps even like this podcast or share it uh, with uh, people that you know so that we may be able to continue making it available to others. Thank you so much, and God bless you.